0: Welcome to a Kessler Foundation Spinal Cord Injury Grand Rounds podcast featuring Dr. Mason Govenlu, presenting Tongue-Based Assistive and Rehabilitation Technologies. Dr. Govenlu is a professor and founding director at the GT Bionics Lab at Georgia Tech's School of Electrical and Computer Engineering since 2007. In 2012, he started Bionic Sciences Incorporated, a technology transfer company where he serves as CTO he has authored or co-authored more than 200 peer-reviewed conference and journal publications on implantable microelectronic devices, integrated circuits and microsystems for medical applications, and modern assistive rehabilitation technologies. He also holds eight issued patents. This presentation was recorded and produced by Joan Bank-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation on Wednesday, April 18, 2018 at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation Conference Center, West Orange, New Jersey, and was hosted by the Northern New Jersey Spinal Cord Injury System, which is supported by a grant from the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research, Neidler grant number 90SI5026. Neidler is a center within the Administration for Community Living, Department of Health and Human Services.
1: Good afternoon. Uh, so today, uh, in the morning, uh, I was uh, at uh, Rutgers uh, uh, by the invitation of uh, Dr. Najaf uh, giving a talk on uh, part of the uh, research in our lab uh, that is more invasive uh, for direct brain-computer interfacing. Because uh, we are directly interfacing with the brain, uh, we usually do that type of research uh, on rats and mice. Uh, but then there is another half of the uh, lab that is working on uh, non-invasive and minimally invasive uh, technologies such as this uh, tongue drive system that I will uh, tell you about. Uh, I should say that in the interest of time I might uh, skip uh, some of the slides uh, to uh, show you some of the uh, kind of uh, additional uh, activities that is undergoing beyond uh, this uh, project, uh, but I would be uh, happy to uh, answer any questions uh, at at the end. Um, So for this uh, uh, crowd, I really don't need to explain the spinal cord injury and uh, the importance of uh, the need for technologies that would uh, enable uh, individuals who end up uh, being uh, with a paralysis of an organ organ, as a result of an accident uh, a fall uh, act of violence and so on and so forth uh, and the fact that uh, there is a large number of uh, people that are uh, suffering from uh, this type of uh, uh, disabilities uh, especially uh, the the younger population about 55% of uh, people with uh, spinal cord injury uh, who are between the ages of 16 and uh, 30 years old uh, who need uh, this uh, continuous assistance Uh, over a long uh, period of time Uh, so there are these uh, brain as I said these invasive brain uh, computer interfaces that are under development including uh, in my lab uh, as I mentioned Uh, but because they are very costly and very invasive uh, these are really not the type of technologies that uh, everyone uh, would uh, choose uh, to to, uh, use Uh, and uh, you know, it's good that it's after launch. Uh, they, they do require a very uh, invasive uh, brain uh, surgery and very costly. But equally important is the fact that up until now there is a still even though there is a lot of ongoing research uh, on, on this type of uh, technologies, uh, really those electrode arrays that are being implanted in the brain uh, haven't uh, been uh, sustained uh, for more than a year or so because there are a variety of uh, failure mechanisms that unfortunately as a result of tissue reaction, the, the neural death around this uh, electrode that is being inserted in the brain damage to the electrode itself or the interconnects one way or another these failure modes has resulted uh, the system uh, stop uh, working so they are really not out there yet for clinical use uh, for somebody who is uh, 16 years old and might live beyond uh, 100 uh, years old on the other hand there are these uh, kind of traditional uh, technologies that are already in the market and uh, even though this is basically. These are very popular. For example, sip and puff. Uh, they are very popular not because these are very effective and uh, very uh, you know preferable uh, methods of uh, controlling the environment, is because uh, there is really lack of uh, other good options. Uh, and even though uh, people are working on newer technologies such as <clears throat> EEG-based BCIs or voice recognition, uh, EEG is uh, very has a lot of potential, but again, you have a lot of, uh, we were talking with uh, Lala this morning, that uh, the setup, even with the most experienced person in the lab, takes 40 minutes to put it on and add the gel and all of that. Uh, And even then, they are very sensitive to motion artifacts and uh, need a lot of training and uh, attention. Voice recognition is also very powerful, but uh, sensitive to uh, environment noise and uh, the, the accurate is really not there. We have chosen tongue um, for this purpose, and uh, I can spend uh, about half an hour just talking about why tongue is such a suitable part of our body uh, for, uh, u- to be used uh, as a control mechanism, as a control surface. Uh, I touch on some very important ones. First of all, if you look at the cross section of the motor cortex on the upper right side, you will see that the the area that is dedicated to Uh, tongue and oral muscles, in terms of the size of that area in the brain, almost is the equivalent of the area that is uh, dedicated to hand and finger. This is just inherently in human brain. So this is why you can touch every single tooth in your mouth with the tip of your tongue without paying attention, without requiring training, and this can be very fast and accurate. And this is basically because we have so much brain power dedicated to oral motor control, which is comparable to the degrees of freedom we have in our hands and uh, fingers. Uh, Secondly, which is equally important, uh, you can see that there are basically connections uh, between the tongue muscles and the brain directly through the cranial uh, nerves and uh, even the highest level spinal cord injury does not affect the tongue motion. So there are patients with very high level spinal cord injury that they cannot speak because the diaphragm is controlled through the spinal cord. So the air pressure is not there for them to speak. But in terms of... Thank you very much. But in terms of uh, being able to move their tongue, uh, they can move their tongue without uh, any problem uh, because tongue has its own hotline to the brain. So in terms of coverage that the tongue motion or a technology that works based on tongue motion, can provide, it can address all levels of a spinal cord injury, whether this person can speak or cannot speak, whether this person is on a ventilator or not, and so on and so forth. And this is not even uh, limited to a spinal cord injury. Uh, you can think about ALS, uh, you know, muscular dystrophy, uh, certain types of a stroke, and so on and so forth. They can use uh, this technology. The last but not the least, I'm kind of summarizing the points here is that access to the tongue is available by just opening your mouth. We do not need, unlike the brain, we do not need a brain surgery or something very invasive to access tongue. Tongue is readily available, and if a technology needs to access the tongue motion, uh, there is no surgery needed. That technology that uses the tongue motion is called tongue drive uh, system. So the way this um, technology works is that we put a tiny little uh, magnet. I think uh, e- uh, your pointer, is like mine, uh, is uh, out of juice. Uh, but uh, just to uh, show you, the, there is a tiny little magnet. We, we place it near the tip of the tongue. Uh, we, like for just test driving this system, uh, we put a drop of glue, dry the tongue, put it on the tongue. And then uh, we also uh, attach a a piece of dental floss uh, to the external uh, sensor. So there are a pair of sensors on a headset that these sensors measure the magnetic field near the cheeks. So once the user moves the tongue and touch different teeth or different landmarks in his or her mouth, our sensors are measuring the changes in the magnetic field and then by processing that information our system can recognize where the tongue is touching. So without any wires and just with a passive a tiny magnet attached to the tongue, we can tell what kind of commands this person is issuing by simply touching different points in their mouth. And the way these points are defined is that uh, we have defined these points based on the the commands that we need to control a mouse cursor. So you can see that we have down, up, left, right, as touching these teeth on the four corners. And then touching the cheeks are right click and left click. So we have basically covered all the movements that uh, we need uh, for the tongue. And the tongue movements are like this. Basically, we tell the subject to touch these... Uh, six different uh, positions, and that is enough to train the system. So once the participant in our study touch these different points ten times on a random basis, the system will be trained. And then the next time he or she touches these points in his or her mouth with the the tip of the tongue, we can recognize what he or she wants to do. Uh, As I mentioned, for a short-term attachment of the magnet, we just use glue and tissue adhesive with that piece of dental floss as a safety measure. It's just in in case it comes off. Usually after one or two hours, it just uh, detaches by itself. Uh, We just want to make sure they don't uh, swallow or aspire Wire this magnet so we tie it with a a string to the external headset. But if they want to use this technology over a long period of time, this is arguably the first medical application of tongue piercing. <laughs> so we basically put this uh, magnet inside the upper ball of a titanium uh, tongue, tongue stud, and uh, we asked the subject to go to the nearest tattoo parlor, get the tongue piercing. It, it takes about, you know, a week, we, we wait up to a month for the tongue to completely recover. When they come back, we simply replace their regular ring with our magnetic tongue ring and then they have the magnet on their tongue they can use this technology as long as they want the cool thing about this this uh, attack, this method of attachment of the magnet to the tongue is that it's also reversible if they actually remove the tongue start this uh, hole actually closes up I don't know if anybody here has ever had a tongue piercing uh, like it's very popular among teenagers uh, so once they grow up and then they when they don't uh, want this tongue piercing, this no longer fashionable, when they remove it, the tongue close up and nobody can tell whether they had a tongue piercing or not. Uh, So this is a reversible technology. This is our first Uh, participant uh, with high level uh, spinal cord injury, he's, uh, as a result of a diving accident, uh, he became uh, uh, tetraplegic uh, at at level C4. So he was brave enough to be the first uh, person uh, participating in our study and this is the, these pictures are taken right after uh, his tongue piercing at uh, Shepherd Center I just uh, told the story uh, a, a few uh, minutes ago that uh, we had an interesting problem uh, I, I had a consultant uh, for for my lab for this research who was a tattoo uh, parlor owner. Uh, Basically, to, we, we were thinking for her to do the tongue piercing, and then the insurance provider at Shepherd Center said that uh, we do not allow anybody without a medical degree to do any procedure on the patients. They said only the Shepherd uh, medical personnel can do the tongue piercing. So on one hand, I had the medical personnel that were trained in like the latest and greatest uh, medical technology, but had never. Done tongue piercing in their life. On the other hand, I had a owner of a tattoo parlor who could do tongue piercing without bleeding or pain, uh, in with her eyes closed, uh, and she could not really do the procedure on our patient. So we basically went through the whole uh, basically steps of training our medical personnel how to do tongue piercing on healthy student volunteers, and then once they learn how to do tongue piercing, then they did the tongue piercing on our uh, patient uh, participants. So we, we did uh, this uh, tongue piercing. And then we came up with a series of uh, methods that are very popular among HCI population. HCI stands for human-computer interaction. So there are certain tasks. Uh, how many of you have heard the term Fitts' law? OK, so the, I, I think we don't have that many HCI uh, experts. Uh, in, uh, uh, so the, the, the Fitts' law is basically to, to kind of uh, tell you in a very uh, simple way is a law that says if you want to do a point and click task, right? like like the kind of things we do on our uh, computers every day with mouse, the further and the smaller the target is you need more information from the brain to be transferred to the computer to do that task, which is very intuitive. So the smaller, the further. If you want to touch it, you need more information. You need more precision than an object that is closer and larger. This is basically the the gist of the Fitts' law. But the interesting thing about Fitts' law is that it formulates. An equation that when we show a set of random targets on the screen to the patient and then ask the subject to go with the cursor and click on these these targets, the further and the smaller the targets, it calculates based on where they start and then where they hit and how close to the target they are. It quantifies the amount of information that is transferred to our device from the brain of the user to the patient. So you can think of a keyboard or a mouse, or the tongue drive system, or any other assistive technology that you use for computer access, like a modem. It's a modem between your brain and the computer. So from one computer to another computer. If you want to measure the bandwidth, how many bits of information is going through your brain to the computer to do a certain computer access task, you need to use the Fitts' law. And then Fitts' law exactly tell you this is 3 bits per second or 5 bits per second. And then this assistive technology is faster than that assistive technology. So through a series of uh, tests that were again widely accepted in HCI community, we tried to evaluate the performance of this device and then that was only for computer access. For wheelchair control, this is something that uh, I believe you are uh, more familiar with. Uh, we, we had our participant drive their wheelchair using sip and puff on one hand. This is something that they were all very familiar with. They had years of experience using sip and puff driving their wheelchair, compared to the tongue drive system, uh, driving through the same obstacle course. And we designed the obstacle course to have all kinds of uh, things that happen in a daily life, turning left, turning right, going through a loop, uh, going through a path, and then backing uh, down and then uh, making a U-turn on the right side and then we counted the number of times they hit the objects as well as the number of times that they went out of the uh, track, out of the obstacle course, with one wheel or two wheels or all wheels uh, when they almost lost uh, uh, control. And uh, this is uh, if the Video plays. Uh, so, this is the gentleman who you saw uh, received the uh, tongue drive uh, system. This lady, the physical therapist, is just walking as a safety measure. She has a, a, a basically emergency stop uh, button. And we ask, uh, his name is Jason. We asked Jason to uh, just uh, stick his tongue out uh, so that uh, the the viewer would see what he's doing with his tongue. Otherwise, he do not need to uh, stick his tongue out to control his wheelchair. All he need to do is to wear the headset and then touch, like inside his mouth, touch the the, the tooth that he has defined for, issuing these commands. And uh, in this case, basically, the command is being wirelessly sent to a a smartphone that is in front of him. The smartphone is giving him both visual feedback of what is happening and also sending the command to the wheelchair uh, electronics. So this is what we did uh, with all of our uh, 11 uh, participants. And uh, just to very uh, briefly uh, show you the the result of uh, this study, in terms of the information transfer rate, so I told you that using those HCI, uh, widely accepted HCI measures, such as Fitts' law, we can measure the bandwidth, the speed of this modem between the brain of the subject and the computer and you can see that the patients did the same the participant did the same task using sip and puff and the tongue drive system and look at the difference the the bandwidth of the tongue drive system is about three times higher than the sip and puff. And uh, we were pleasantly surprised with this result. But we know that, of course, touching your tooth is much, much faster than uh, issuing sip and uh, commands through a a sip and puff. Another thing that was very interesting uh, was driving the wheelchair. The interesting thing here was that uh, our our participants were really were not in this equal setting with with respect to the tongue drive system. They were completely naive with respect to the tongue drive system. They had years of experience with sip and puff. And then in comparison between sip and puff and uh, the tongue drive system, you can see that. In terms of completion time, they started like with with Tongue Drive, they started way higher than step and puff and then over six sessions Actually, in terms of how long it took them to go through the obstacle course, they reached the same level, just after six sessions. Uh, That's uh, in terms of completion time. In terms of the number of navigation errors, such as hitting the obstacles or going out of the track, you can see that they did much worse with tongue drive. But once again, after six sessions, they reached to the level that they were doing with sip and puff. We believe that if they had not even years, months of experience with tongue drive, they would have completely done better than uh, sip and Because in the previous slide I showed you sip and puff, excuse me, tongue drive could be three times as fast as uh, sip and puff in terms of the bandwidths. Um, and now, just to tell you where we are, this, this experiment uh, was done about uh, two, four years ago. But now we are moving from a single modality tongue drive, which is just, you know, th- those six commands that I showed you early on, is like six switches. So the original tongue, uh, tongue drive system is only a switch based or a discrete controller. Now we are adding a, an inertial sensor on the same headset. But in addition to that, we are adding microphones to the same headset. And as a result, we are creating a multimodal uh, tongue drive system. And as a result, actually, let me show you uh, how the uh, current system looks like. It has an inertial measurement unit on the same headset. It has the magnetometers on the same headset. And it it has a microphone. So with microphone, we allow the user to do texting and typing. With inertial measurement unit, we allow the user to do uh, the, the the proportional control, basically moving the cursor very quickly with the head motion and with the tongue drive we do the switch based control such as mouse clicks or selections and so on and so forth. So in one single headset we have combined is typing proportional control, and switch based control just with one uh, headset. And uh, another interesting thing about this system is that now it has a powerful enough microcontroller that it does all the signal processing on the headset itself. So the headset is a standalone and can directly send the commands that it detects by, by touching different teeth to the uh, target uh, devices. So again, in the interest of time, I don't go through the engineering part of it. This is the block diagram of the system. Uh, those of you who are uh, interested in this, uh, you can just email me. I will uh, send you uh, the, the, the paper that uh, explains the, the engineering. But as a quick comparison between the SIP and PATH, the tongue drive uh, system, uh, the, basically the original tongue drive system that was only switch-based, and the new New multimodal uh, tongue drive system. Uh, you can see that uh, here we are we are really hitting all of the different capabilities in terms of uh, mobility, uh, in terms of modality. We offer three different modes: tongue motion head motion and speech. It's completely wireless, it's wearable, it has discrete control, proportional control, it has IMU, and it can control mouse pointer, wheelchair navigation, and typing. Really Whatever we can potentially offer through one single assistive technology, we have included in this uh, multimodal system. And we hope that uh, we can actually, one of the reasons that I'm uh, here and uh, we're we're, uh, talking uh, to uh, some of the uh, directors and uh, researchers is whether this, this system, assuming that we can raise the 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 funding to to test it here. The the new one, the the new multimodal system would be something to be tested here uh, with the very uh, active uh, research uh, participants and the excellent researchers that you have here. And compare it with some of the uh, other uh, technologies. Um, so again, I have uh, some of the additional uh, engineering uh, details which I uh, skipped through. This is the like uh, this is uh, like a credit card size computer that uh, we have included in our wheelchair controller. So this board, uh, which is called uh, BeagleBone, is actually like a little computer and has. Uh, the similar processing capability as a smartphone. And this is the interface between the tongue drive, the multimodal tongue drive headset and the smartphone. So that board and a display is part of this little box that we put below the display of the wheelchair. And there is this uh, connection to the wheelchair electronic as an alternative control that D-type connector that you have in front of the wheelchair. All we need to do is to connect this D-type connector to that uh, wheelchair controller. Then the user should be able to use the tongue drive system to drive his or her, as simple as that. And then there is also a simple display that shows the user what kind of command he or she is issuing. Uh, There is ongoing research in my lab that we are trying to even Remove the headset altogether. So some of our participants uh, have told us that uh, you know they are. Kind of, uh, they care about their appearance. They don't want to wear a, a big uh, headset. Actually, our headset kind of looks like any other headset. We are even adding headphone capability to it so that they can also listen to music as they wear this headset. But for those who don't even want to wear a headset, we are putting all these electronics into a dental retainer. So the sensors in this case are built into a dental retainer, and then once they put this retainer inside their mouth, basically you, you can not tell this person uh, what he or she is doing. Basically, he or she is uh, touching different teeth and moving his or her head, and then there is this wireless connection between this intraoral device and uh, the cell phone or all other uh, devices around him or her that uh, just receive the command and activate and uh, do the job uh, once again I don't go through the engineering detail we design a chip it, it has a rechargeable battery at night you put this device inside the charger so overnight it it has a coil that wirelessly recharges the battery and then in the morning once the user put the or actually the caregiver put put the dental retainer inside the user's mouth. He or she is good to go for the entire day. And then at night, they take it out, put it inside the charger again. Uh, so we have, we have basically uh, e- evaluating two different uh, topologies. One is uh, using the, putting the electronic on the roof of the mouth. And uh, the other one, putting the electronics in the buccal area Around uh, this is we call it the horseshoe type, and uh, this one is the uses the palatal space for the electronics and uh, the battery. Uh, we are designing some antennas, different type of antennas to do wireless communication from inside the mouth to the external uh, part of the system. Again, I skip the engineering details. Uh, if if you have questions, uh, please uh, let me know. Uh, we have uh, in in the past integrated the tongue drive system with uh, Google Glass so that you can you have both the display. Is because Google Glass is like a wearable computer, so a combination of Google Glass and the tongue drive system give the user a sort of bi-directional communication with this computer. He or she can see what we see on the screen, just on a headset, and with his or her tongue, can also control that computer, dial a phone number, answer an email, drive a wheelchair, anything they want to do. Uh, We have also done some experiments using the tongue drive system for speech and speech rehabilitation. Uh, Before I go into further detail of of this part, are there any uh, speech uh, therapists, SLPs in, in the audience? Not not that many, <laughs> OK. So um, well, of course, uh, after a stroke, one of the most important problems uh, is uh, speech uh, impairment. So in <clears throat> in this part of the experiment, uh, what, what we have done is that we have tried to recognize what this user is trying to say by tracking the tongue motion. So there are some people who do not have a voice. For example, as a result, of, uh, you know, surgery or they they might have a weak voice. The interesting thing is that our tongue motion has enough features that by processing the magnetic sensor output that comes from our tongue drive system, you can recognize what is being said. Or if, for example, you record a a set of predefined uh, sentences or words, the computer can recognize from the pattern of the magnetic field what the user wants to say even without a voice, just by looking at the pattern of tongue motion, during a speech, so this is what we are doing here. On the speech rehabilitation side, the hypothesis is that if we can show the tongue motion to the patient who is undergoing speech rehabilitation, this would improve the rate of rehabilitation because right now, SLPs only depend on the audio. Basically, they ask their patients to record their voice, play it back, and really, because the tongue is hidden inside the mouth, they don't have an effective way to tell the patient how we want you to move your tongue in order to utter this word properly, or this is the way you are moving your tongue, and then this is the way I want. I am, like, as as a healthy speaker, I am uh, moving my tongue using this uh, multimodal uh, speech capture system, which is kind of an offshoot of the tongue drive system, we can visualize the tongue motion. Uh, and and uh, basically, uh, what, what we have, uh, there are there are some other technologies that is trying to visualize the tongue motion. Again, uh, if you talk to uh, an SLP, a speech language pathologist, most of them are familiar with this technology called electromagnetic uh, articulation but it's a very bulky and uh, large system, and it has sensors that are wired. So you have basically a bunch of sensors, a small coils that are attached to the tongue. On the other hand, our technology, which uh, again, I, I skipped the, the, the engineering uh, detail. This is what it looks like. It has an array of sensors that are near the mouth. So instead of four sensors, here we use 24 sensors in order to reconstruct the tongue motion in real time. So this is me uh, behind this uh, system. Sometimes my students use me as the guinea pig, uh, the first (laughs) subject to test the system. Uh, And we also have a webcam in front of the user's mouth because we also want to capture lip motion because lip gesture is also part of the speech and has useful information in it. It also has two two, uh, microphones here and here. You you can see it uh, easily Uh, but they also capture the user's uh, voice Uh, and the outcome is this. The front webcam is showing the lips and we can track the boundary of the lips to tell how the lip movements, like the lip reading, is, is it natural? Is it, you know, there is some droop or some problems with the lip motion? We can track the tongue motion in 3 Y, Z, and versus time to show the trajectory of the tongue. For example, this is the trajectory of basically utterance of uh, this uh, phoneme, and we can also record the voice. All these three modalities can be captured with one uh, device. Um, so these are different uh, parts of the system. And the entire system, because we, w- we really have designed this system so that it can be easily carried in a bag by a physical by a speech and language pathologist, either from you know one part of the hospital to, to another, or some of them actually go to the patient's home to provide the, the, the therapy so they can carry and easily set it up on a table and do these uh, exercises. Uh, Again, these are, this is for example, uh, the utterance of hello word. This is how it uh, the, the tongue moves uh, with, with these different uh, words. And then this is three different utterances of the same healthy participant. What is interesting is that our tongue, it shows that our tongue doesn't really move through the exact same patterns, even though this is the same person saying the same word three times. But you see, you can see that in between these landmarks that the, the, the tongue hits, the movements are uh, completely different. And this was uh, very uh, interesting uh, to us. Uh, And the last uh, project that I would like to uh, talk about here is again using the tongue drive system. Here we are combining the tongue drive system with an exoskeleton for post-stroke rehabilitation. So with post-stroke rehabilitation, basically the therapist uh, make certain movements on the upper limb while it has been shown actually I'm not an expert on that part of it but it has been shown it has been documented that if these movements of the upper limb are initiated by the patient himself or herself it actually shows better results over time in rehabilitation as opposed to having someone else move the upper limb for this uh, patient after a stroke. So using tongue drive system, what we have tried to do is that using an exoskeleton and have the patient use his or her tongue motion to activate this exoskeleton. And in order to motivate the patient to do this task over and over again, we have included it as part of a game. This user is actually playing a game by moving, for example, this airplane up and down and avoiding obstacles or uh, hitting some uh, targets with a combination of the tongue motion and uh, hand. Here, we were using this exoskeleton called Hand Mentor. This only has one degree of freedom. Basically, uh, only uh, 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 sort of so, so, uh, supination and uh, pronation type of uh, uh, motion, and the the patient has a certain range of motion. With the tongue, when they reach the extent of the range of motion, we allow them to move the, the hand further with the command that they issue with their tongue. So we let them to use their active range of motion themselves. And then when they reach the extent of their active range of motion, they can go further by activating their the, the robot with their tongue. And now our latest version, we are using a more capable exoskeleton called kinarm that allows basically movement of both hands from the shoulder and uh, the idea is the same we are we are using uh, the the tongue drive system in order to allow the patient to play games or follow targets and at the same time we are trying to record EEG and uh, EMG to look at uh, whether the activities in the brain over time change as a result of this going through this uh, therapy. Uh, this is uh, one of my students behind the robot and this is what he would see as a, in the form of visualization of the target and what we asked the... participant to reach to certain targets with his or her hand so either he or she can reach with his hand or if they can't they can use the tongue drive and get help from the robot to reach to those uh, targets. So again, I I skip uh, some of the details. This is the active range. If the target is out of the active range, they try to reach the target uh, using the the tongue drive system. Uh, So with that, uh, it's almost uh, uh, 5 o'clock. So I would like to uh, conclude this uh, presentation. Uh, I showed you (coughs) this uh, new assistive technology called uh, tongue drive uh, system, which is completely wireless and wearable. Uh, uh, You might have heard the term brain-computer interfacing. So we would like to call our device brain-tongue computer interfacing, or uh, BTCI. Uh, So it converts the voluntary tongue motion to commands. Uh, We have tested this device on. Uh, on on uh, 11 uh, individuals with uh, tetraplegia at uh, Shepherd Center. That's the earlier uh, version of <coughs> this system at RIC and uh, Shepherd. We were very pleased that, uh, in terms of bandwidths, we get three times as much bandwidth as the CPAN Puff. And after only six sessions, we reached with the same level of performance between the tongue drive system and CPAN Puff, even though they had years of experience with. Sip and puff. Now, the multimodal tongue drive system, which we would like to deploy and test at several centers, uh, hopefully including uh, Kessler, uh, is having not only the tongue commands as a discrete control, but also head motion as proportional control and voice recognition for typing. Combining all of these in one single headset, wireless headset, and see what the patients can do with this system in their uh, daily lives. Uh, And this can be combined with other computers, other wearable devices, such as Google Glass and wheelchairs, and so on and so forth. Uh, So I would like to thank my my lab uh, and uh, the students and postdocs that have done all this uh, work, as well as uh, the (coughs) sources of funding. And uh, quite a you uh, collaborators. Thank you very much for your attention.
0: Be sure and check out our next podcast with Dr. Nathan Hagaboom, one of our newest postdoctoral fellows from our Spinal Cord Injury Research Lab at Kessler Foundation. He will be presenting transfer skills in soft tissue injuries and in wheelchair users with spinal cord injury on Thursday, May 10th, 2018. For more information about Kessler Foundation and our researchers, go to kesslerfoundation.org. That's K E S S L E R F O U N D A T I O N.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter.